What it is, RJLA family. I am Angela Birdsong, your conversation piece host on RJLA Morning Wake Up Call at RadioJustice.org. We're something new or unusual to talk about for stimulating conversation for you on the bus, train, plane, or simply at the water cooler or in Cubicle Nation. Today on Conversation Peace, we ask, are you being smart before you get sexy? Conversation Peace guest Lachey Brown of Black Women for Wellness, Youth Outreach Program Coordinator for Get Smart Before You Get Sexy, which is a movement that aims to end sexual and reproductive health disparities through creating a community of smart and sexy women who are creating a sexual and reproductive health culture that is safe, affirming, non-judgmental, pleasurable, and addresses all women's diverse needs to maintain autonomy over their own reproductive, sexual health, and well-being. Get smart before you get sexy. Welcome to Conversation Peace. Up the pace, beats playing since the night before. Thinking about writing songs, feeling exhausted from times we tore constant. And plus, the toxics I sip got me tossed, still tipsy, staring at the city from the spot we call Los Angeles. Oh, yes, we are getting smart before we get sexy. Welcome to Conversation Peace, Lachey Brown. Hello, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So, now, what is smart and what is sexy? Um, so Get Smart Before You Get Sexy is a reproductive sexual health program for ages 12 to 24. Um, we're based in South Los Angeles under a pro under an organization called Black Women for Wellness. Um, Get Smart for you get, Before You Get Sexy has been in existence for about four years. We started as a campaign really to address the high STI rates of black girls in South L.A. Now, what are the STI rates? Have they improved or are they still the same? Um, they're actually, it's a crisis right now when it comes to STI. Um, so the Department of Public Health is really looking at syphilis um, because, as we know, syphilis had like kind of disappeared from the radar um, a couple of years ago, but now it's back. Um, and so because of the effects that syphilis has on people once they get it, especially for pregnant women, the Department of Public Health is really looking at that as well as gonorrhea and chlamydia because those are also um, high right now. And then STIs, that's sexually transmitted infections? Yes. Okay, why, why the switch from STDs to STIs? So they... They still mean the same thing. People still use them interchangeably. It's just that it kind of reduces the stigma of having a STI, right? So if you say sexually transmitted disease, that sounds way horrible, like more than a sexually transmitted infection. Because when folks say, like, I have a disease, it's like, oh, you're nasty. Um, you're 
like you have this disease, whereas infection, it's like, oh, you have an infection. You could take some antibiotics or medication. It'll be over with. So that's really what's for the switch. Okay, that's smart. Now, now that we know what the STIs are, and we, we also know that that's part of being smart, is being aware of what the, the infections are, um, how you get them. Mm-hmm. What, are, what is the other part of being smart and before you get sexy? So rather than just STIs, we do comprehensive sex education. Um, so we do birth control. We do family planning. We do reproductive life planning, um, which is very important because when you think of and when you're talking to youth, we really want them to think of, do I really want to have a child right now? Um, and if I do, what am I doing to, you know, make my body, um, be able to have a healthy pregnancy or let's say I don't, let's say I want to wait a couple of years and what are you doing? Are you taking birth control? Are you making sure that your body is healthy for in the future? Are you going to go to college first? So making them really think about that and have that to thought. So it kind of reduces, um, like the high risk, um, unattended pregnancy. Um, we do sexual harassment work. So about three years ago, when we went into the school, we went to a school in Gardena. Um, and so we did our, our comprehensive sex education program. So it's a six-week program. Um, however, we didn't really focus on sexual harassment at the time. We just focused on like STI rates, birth control, just the general stuff like that. And so then the girls start saying, well, yeah, we, we know like now about STIs and stuff, but what are we supposed to do if like someone is touching us inappropriately or saying things to us un, um, inappropriately? How do we address that? And so as more girls start coming up to us with the same things, not just with their peers, but school administrators, security guards, then we're like, let's change that conversation. So now, including with sexual harassment, we talk about like self-empowerment, um, how to really stand up for yourself and also how to address these concerns on the high school campus because a lot of students are afraid to come out for different reasons. Um, So that's also another part of it. And then also being culturally relevant. So like if you're taking, let's say you're doing STI education in school, it may look completely different than what we provide because we are specifically talking about the neighborhood you're in, your background, like making it really culturally appropriate because that's not what they're going to get by just standard sex education. Right, because in your school with the standard sex education is just general and broad. Mm-hmm. And you guys are being specific to whatever the cultural needs are for, for that young lady or for that young man also, yes. right? Because mm-hmm. I know you guys do programs for, for men and for for, for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is inclusive. Um, of course, we are black women for wellness. Or, or we focus on black girls, but we do know that you can't just talk to one half of it. So it is inclusive. Um, we also hire peer educators, and we make sure to hire both male and female peer educators because they they're able to speak to different populations. They're able to have different mind frames. And also, what we realized two years ago when we did focus groups was that we have ingrained in our girls so much. Like this is what you do. This is how you act. This is how you dress all of these different things but the same conversation is not being had with the boys um and so it's like if we're telling the girls this is what you need to do but not having a conversation with the boys and it's never going to change anything um so we've been really focusing on that too bringing the two together to have conversations how do you guys find your clientele 
Um, so for get smart before you get sexy, because again, Black Women for Wellness, we have a whole lot of programs. Um, but specifically for my program, it's it kind of varies. So. Most of our our clientele is in high schools or they're on a school campus. So it may be we just started middle school this year, um, but also it could be random. So there is a Martin Luther King parade every year. I went to Martin Luther King parade. I was, you know, just looking at the vendors, going to the vendors. And then there was a teacher who um, was like have his own um his own company going so we were having conversation and from there that's how I got into one of the schools that I'm at and Watts just from that conversation um, we do a lot of outreach um, I'm part of a lot of different coalitions on reproductive justice so we get clientele from there um, from that way um, so it's really just different ways that it's really about relationship building how we're able to speak to the youth that we speak to now, just so the audience will have an idea, give us just a very brief background of Black Women for Wellness. What is that organization? How long has it been around? So Black Women for Wellness has been around for 21 years. It started with six Black women, all who were a part of the health fields, um, had some of their own personal health conditions going on. Um, and so they went to a conference um, in China. And then when they came back, they were like, why don't we do that? It was a women's conference. So I was like, why don't we do the same thing? Because they felt like the field that they were in weren't addressing the concerns of black women. And so it started out being Sisters at Eight, which is, um, it's a program that we have every month. So it's a monthly breakfast that we have um, and it's free to the public. And we talk about different topics depending on what is going on. So this Friday, um, we actually have one coming up and it's the face of homelessness because as we know, we have a big homeless crisis. So we talk about that. Um, last month we did, um, the mental health. So it's really just depends on like what the topic may be. And then we bring experts to the field to talk about it. It's just so the community could be aware. So like the same information we may get in our closed little rooms, um, really sharing that with the public. Um, and then it has expanded from there to now we have two different um, categories. So we have Sisters in Motion, which is more of, of the get healthy physically side. So we do cooking demonstrations under our Kitchen Divas program. We have diabetes prevention program um, and we do civic engagement work. Um, and then we have our Sisters in Control, which is more of like your body and how you take care of your body. So we have environmental justice, um, really focusing on the toxic chemicals in our hair care products. And then we have Get Smart, Free, Get Sexy, which is our what I'm over, the reproductive sexual health program. So it's more of educational. A lot of people are like, I don't understand how is it? What Are you a clinic? Like, you know, and it's more of just bringing education to the community about all the things that we face. Very good. Yeah, I just want to make sure that everybody understand when you say black women for wellness, that mm -hmm. they, they know what, what that organization is about and how Get Smart Before You Get Sexy um, connects to, to black women for, for wellness. So getting back to what is smart and what is sexy we know that part of being smart is knowing how to have healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. And you guys do the valuing yourselves program where you guys talk about what are the ingredients for healthy relationships? What are 
you know, what, so what are the ingredients for a healthy relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, communication, um, trust, loyalty. Um, but I would say that key aspect aspect is communication and setting barriers, right? So, like, in a lot of relationships, people go into the relationship <clears throat> knowing exactly what they want, but for some reason, you can't communicate that to your partner, or you feel scared to, or whatever the case may be. Um, and then later on down the road, a lot of people feel like, oh, this has turned unhealthy, or this isn't a relationship I thought that I was in, but it's like, this is the relationship that you did enter, but you never set your boundaries. So now when you're saying you don't like something or something's not going well, the person is kind of confused because you never said, this is what I won't tolerate. Um, This is what I expect. And a lot of people are like, well, is it too, if I'm on my first, second date, maybe that's too early, but it's really not because you're giving your time to someone. Um, So really that aspect, communication, loyalty, trust. Um, And then of course, because I do reproductive sexual health um, getting tested with your partner a lot of people are like well I don't want to be like let's go get tested like who has time for that if we're just if we're in a sexual relationship right but it's like it's also about being healthy that way because that's a big important aspect of it and also asking and being upfront: are we going to have open relationships are we going to talk to other people are you sleeping with someone else um and having those conversations early on so you all know like what kind of relationship you're gonna have and what works for you i was talking about um your program with some some women friend of mine and they said shucks grown women need to have this program Mm -hmm. (laughs) also some of the tools that 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 you're 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 speaking of now you guys, so you guys do some workshops that surround the the healthy relationships. Because so I know you got you have the six week program that mm-hmm. you do now. the The six week program is the healthy. What what is in the six week program? So for the six week program, it's mostly in schools. So we have like the birth control, we have STI prevention, we have HIV, we have a section on LGBT community, um, we have a section on like media stereotypes. Um, what else do we have in there? Healthy relationships. It's more of, it's basically, so California has um, established California Youth Healthy Act, which is a law that makes sure that you have um, sex education once in middle school and once in high school. And so there's a whole guideline of all of the things that you need to have under that act. And so we basically have that same guideline, but it's just looking at it more culturally aware and that's the Um, california youth healthy act yeah california youth healthy act so it passed in 2015 so before this act no one was really required to provide sex education in middle school or high school and so a group of advocates were like in bww um we we co-sponsored the bill we're like no we need to have this because this would address the sti rates it would address the sexual harassment that's happening it would address like a whole bunch of stuff that we're facing right now. So then they established that. And then this year we actually co-sponsored a bill to get it in charter schools. So now it will be in charter school starting next year as well. Now, when you guys are in the schools doing the six week program, 
How do you guys, is, is, is that also part of the workshops that you guys have on, on the different, you know, like at UCLA or what have you, the different partnerships that you have? No, so we do a lot. <laughs> um, so that's just one aspect of it. Um, and then again, I said that we hire peer educators. So that's really youth. We have youth in high school and youth in college that we train as well to be able to provide sexual health. Um, and so sometimes they'll have their own workshops. And so it's really looking at it like here are the tools. You guys be creative and create something for your peers. So they have all of the knowledge they need, but giving them that creativity. And then so they came up with different workshops. So, for instance, we have a, cam- a campaign called Safe Sex and Chill. Um, and so that's also coming up December 22nd. We have it every year. And it's really following, like, the Netflix and Chill model. Um, but then they were like, oh, sometimes you go to Netflix and Chill and it turns into something more. And so then I was like, okay, well let's say safe sex and chill right so it's really thinking about and so it's more of like a party type workshop so they get the whole um sexual health workshop but then we do like movies and we do like making candles and stuff like that so it's like a fun event so that's one um we have another program that we're a part of that we um, just got a grant from UCLA, and it's called the EBAN program. Um, and so with that is HIV prevention. So that's for women ages 18 and over and women of color. So up until now, up until recently, a lot of money for HIV hasn't been given to like people who serve women of color because it's been mostly... As we know, like white um, gay men have always gotten HIV prevention money. And so now funding is coming for women. So this program is more of looking at healthy relationships because a lot of the women who got HIV got it from their partner or from being in a monogamous relationship. So like, how are you having those conversations about your sexual health? So that's another program um, and workshops that we do. Um, And then sometimes the schools will say, okay, our kids, like for instance, they were like, they're having problems sexting. So then I was like, okay, I'm gonna create a workshop around sexting. So it's really teachers also like emailing me or contacting me like, so this is the problem we're having at our school. And then I go and create a workshop. Okay, so you know, when we come back, we're going to talk more about sexting. And we're going to talk about communication questions around sex, because you guys have some good information on your website about that you know why don't you give the website before before we go to break um so our website is get smart before you get sexy and that's b and then the number four the letter u get sexy.com right because i know when i'm watching tv or listening to um talk shows i have my my phone right there and i'm like oh let me look up their website and mm-hmm. i i read along as as we are listening i am your host angela birdsong and you are listening to conversation piece on radiojustice.org with Lachey Brown of Get Smart Before You Get Sexy. One of their articles says to value ourselves, to believe we deserve respect, kindness, and honesty. We must know this when entering a relationship. We'll be right back. Don't underestimate the 
Welcome back to Conversation Piece. I am your host, Angela Birdsong, with guest Lachey Brown of Get Smart Before You Get Sexy, a comprehensive sex education program that provides prevention and intervention resources for youth and young adults. Before we went to break, you you were talking about chlamydia and gonorrhea, and I saw that on your site you guys said that Los Angeles is one of the cities that leads the country in chlamydia and gonorrhea rates among young teens and women. So you guys got your work cut out for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when you have these conversations with the young women with the six-week program and telling them to have these hard communication questions around sex, having um, being upfront and saying, hey, let's go test, get tested and what have you. This is some heavy work that you're doing here, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, it's not just um, young women in the classes. It's, it, let's say it's their PE class. So it's usually whatever class that is. So it's very diverse. It's um, young boys, young girls, um, different races. So, yeah. Now, what brought you to this kind of work? What's Um, your story? So I always knew that I wanted to do something around teen pregnancy prevention. I just didn't know what. Um, So I had my daughter when I turned 19 years old. Um, and of, I developed something called preeclampsia, which is usually black women for some reason gets is high blood pressure during your pregnancy. Um, and so I had that. So then that forced me to go and have her earlier. So I did emergency C-section, um, the day I turned eight months. Um, and then also she was in the NICU for a month. So that alone had its own trauma around it. Um, and then after, because I had her at 19, a lot of people were like, well, what are you going to do now? So I guess you're not going to school. I guess you're not going to do this. I guess you're not going to do that. Um, but I still went on to a two-year um, college. And then from there, I transferred to Cal State LA. Um and while I was at Cal State LA, I thought I wanted to do psychology. But then I met um, a professor, um, Melina Abdullah. Um, and so I fell in love with like the Pan-African Studies Department from there. So then I transferred my major to be Pan-African Studies. Um, and then it was a lot going around. So that's when Trayvon Martin um, and all that was happening. And so being really involved with that. Um, And then, of course, um, a campaign called Say Her Name came out because the focus had always been on police brutality and black men. And so this was like us, too. Like black women are also affected by police brutality. We're also being killed um, while in custody and stuff like that. And so then that came out. And then I start interning through Pan-African Studies Department um, with an organization called Media Done Responsibly. And so I started... um, I was interning, then I started doing workshops on like media and how it affects um, how people view young people of color. And then Chanel Curry, who was my mentor at the time, um, introduced me to Black Women for Wellness. And so I started just canvassing. So around then it was like time to get out the vote type work. And so I was like, I'm gonna just canvas. And then I built a relationship there. And then they hired me to do like foster youth um, outreach work. And so I was like, I, at the time I was working at um, 
Pasadena City College with the ELPNS program and then I was doing half canvassing with Black Women for Wellness and so I was like oh this is interesting because by the time I had graduated so it's like I'm doing around in like the diaspora I'm um, with black women and then also we're talking about reproductive sexual health so although it's not directly teen pregnancy prevention it's still within the realms Um, and so then from the foster youth position and then I became now the program coordinator we get smart before you get sexy um and so it's kind of like what I studied and what I love to do on top of still being able to do teen pregnancy prevention um because I feel like it's super important especially me being a teenage mom even though I'm like it was 19 or else like you're still a teenage mom (laughs) um just showing young girls like you have the choice because for me I my parents never talked to me about sex the only time my mom ever said something about sex was when I was already a senior and I was walking out of her room and she was like um are you having sex and I was like no she was like, okay well if you ever think about it come to me first don't come to your friends and of course I was lying at the time uh, but it's also like I'm not going to talk to you about that. We've never had this conversation, so I'm not going to talk to you now. And I'm going to rather go to my friends than talk to you. And then I end up being pregnant a couple of months later and be like, oh, I lost my virginity. That's how I got pregnant when it's like, no, this has been going. But that's in our community. That's what goes on. A lot of girls aren't able to talk to their parents. So like I with my daughter now and a lot of people be like, oh, you're why are you talking to her about this right now? But like if she asks questions, I answer them. Or if she I talk to her about her body and what's inappropriate touching. And I talk to her now about puberty because she didn't see like my feminine products. And she's like, what's that? What is that for? If someone's like, I'm cramping. Why is she what's cramping? And I let her know these things because my worst fear is when I remember I was in the um, fourth grade, which when I started my period, I started my period early um, and going to the bathroom and just seeing blood and being like what is going on and going to the nurse office and saying there's blood in my panties and then them like oh go to the bathroom and handing me a pad and I'm confused on what to do um so having those conversations young so they're always able to come to you and talk to you about different stuff right I remember when I I got I got my period I was 11 years old I was in the sixth grade and I was in so much pain and I had no idea what was happening mm-hmm. and and I just know that my my periods were irregular so I always had to carry a purse mm-hmm. <laughs> with pads mm-hmm. and and the and and then you get teased at school like why are you carrying a purse what's in your purse mm-hmm. and and but if, if someone would have you know had those conversations with me sooner than I could have said well what's in my purse is what's going to be in your purse soon too Mm -hmm. and you know you're going to have a a monthly period and Mm -hmm. you know and and just and be able to 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 speak intelligently about it at the same time you know um defending yourself Mm -hmm. and 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 and, you know and I know there's a better word than than say defending yourself but but actually knowing what's happening with your body and Mm -hmm. being able to explain your yourself explain what's what's going on so that's that's i think that's very healthy mm-hmm. to have those conversations yeah. mm-hmm. with with your daughter because that was that, that was very clear when you said why would i go and have her talk to my mom now about yeah. sex when we've <laughs> never broached yeah. the, this this topic 
Yeah, before. and that's what a lot of the girls that we work with say. Like, that's weird. I'm not going to talk to my mom about it. Um, and then also at one of the schools that I work with, it's like a thing to get pregnant, right? But it's like... What do you mean is a thing to get pregnant? It's like a lot of the girls there are pregnant or have babies um, and they have a daycare like across the street because a lot of them have babies and a lot of them want to have babies. So then it's like having that conversation of for one, I mean, a lot of girls are like, Oh, I want, they don't feel loved or they don't feel worthy. So it's like, if I have this baby, they're going to love me. They're going to feel worthy. Or let's say I'm in this relationship and I really like love this guy and I want him to stay or, everyone else is doing it's like a whole lot of things that's attached to it because no one is having those conversations of love yourself of sex education of healthy relationships um so yeah so it's really needed and that's then that just goes back to being smart getting smart mm-hmm. right now now what's what's the get sexy part so it's re- it just gets smart before you get sexy. Yes. And uh, before you get sexy, whatever that may mean to you, um, be smart about it. So we aren't an organization or a program that is like don't have sex. Right. Of course, abstinence is the best. And that's the way not to get pregnant. That's the way not to get STIs. But in reality, we know that youth are having sex. So instead of approaching approaching and saying, OK, don't have sex or this is going to happen to you. It's like, OK, well, we will hope you won't. But if you do, this is what you do to prevent anything from happening. Or if something does happen, you know what clinic to go to. You know how to get treated, how to get tested, how to talk to your partner about it. Um, So that's the way we look at it as a more sex positive um, way rather than don't have sex. Because they have done a study um, a while ago where abstinence only approach to sex education doesn't work because no one's going to sit there and you just like don't have sex and you're not saying like the reasons why or whatever the case may be that's not going to help anything but if you say okay well if you choose to this is what can happen this is what you do and it's more I'm equipping them that way right so getting smart and just knowing everything that surrounds your body mm-hmm. that surrounds having a relationship with some somebody else's body mm-hmm. <laughs> and, not, and not just the physical, but the mental and the emotional yeah. parts of mm-hmm. it. Exactly. A lot of people feel like, oh, sex is sex. And it's like sex isn't sex. Sex has an emotional connection to it. You may feel like I have sex with this person, I don't care. But especially for, and I can just speak on behalf of the girls that I work with, it has an emotional connection. For a woman to give you her body, that has an emotional connection attached to it. You may feel like that really didn't mean anything, but it does mean something. Right. Now, you were talking about the peer um, educators. How does one decide, how, how does one Um, what's the process for becoming a peer educator? So there's an application that they fill out um, and then we do interviews and they're hired that way. So it's really a traditional process of peer educator. Um, Like if you were just an employee anywhere else, they go through the same background. I usually find the peer educators, they're usually either someone who participated in a workshop, um, someone who like a teacher or counselor recommended, um, or they've coming up to me and say, are you guys hiring? Because they know that we hire young people. Um, And then we also pay them 
$15 an hour um, just because we believe in some sort of livable wage, even though we know L.A. is super expensive. But it's like we need to make sure that we pay our young people because a lot of people exploit young people and they say, oh, volunteer, intern, and it's unpaid. And it's like young people have um bills they need to eat some of them are homeless some of them are in foster care so making sure that we compensate them um and so yeah so that's just how they become then they go through a two-week training and then they develop their own presentation and then they do their presentation with their peers and then if there's any feedback concerns then we let them know and then they improve it and then that's how really they become a peer educator now getting getting back to some of the the programs that you guys have um during the break, you and I were talking about the um, sexual harassment of, mm-hmm. of black girls and your Step Forward campaign. And is this part of the hypersexualization aspect of, of the program? Explain, what is hypersexualization? So hypersexualization is you can either hypersexualize someone or you can feel someone is hypersexual. So for black women, we go back to... Um, we go back to thinking of music videos, thinking of just the way that people have degraded women of color's bodies um, and feeling like, oh, they like to have sex a lot. They like to have sex with multiple people. They're promiscuous. Um, and so that's with like hypersexuality. If you were to turn on like a music video and you see a girl with nothing and she's like dancing and then they put it in a category like, Oh, this must be how black girls are um, type of feeling. And that's one of the stereotypes that you guys have to break just amongst the, the wimp, the, the, the teenagers in your program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So not only just the girls, I mean, not only just like, everyone else but also the girls because they internalize it a lot and so they may be like well that's how girls are when they come outside they want that attention or if you go into a boy's house after what you think's gonna happen like they have internalized it now and so it's really trying to break that like that's not how it has to be um because we asked the question and this goes back to when i was immediate and responsibly um we asked the question okay if you went on a nice date the first time and you're having a good time and then the guy is like oh you want to go back to my house and watch movies and you go back to watch movies and then he's trying to have sex and he gets mad because you don't want to have sex whose fault is it um and a lot of the girls was like, it's her fault. Because why would she even go over there? Like, she knew what she was going to do or whatever the case may be. And it's like, why do she have to do anything or feel like she was going to do anything? Maybe she really wanted to go and watch movies. Like, it's not a requirement for me to come to your house. And now we're going to have sex. Um, and so a lot of girls have internalized that and feel that way. Like, okay, if this person's doing this for me, that means they want something in return. And... I mean, I'm obligated to. And so really breaking that stigma and breaking those barriers, because that's what they're seeing on TV. That's what they're seeing on social media. They're seeing like, this is my worth. And so how do we teach our young black girls like you are worthy in these ways? Right. And seeing as you were telling that story, the first thing that came to my mind was, you're not going to his house. (laughs) (laughs) You taking me home. (laughs) (laughs) or or like you know like with women my age sometimes we will you know the the first date would just be maybe 30 minutes at at a coffee shop or at a tea shop you Mm -hmm. know just to even see like do I you know what are you talking about in person Mm -hmm. and and to get a feel for for that before you go on to to the second date now at what point in the dating 
do you suggest that you go and get tested? I know that that you said it should be like but the second date, the third date. When do you guys tell the teenage girls to go, you know, to say, "All right, looks like we like each other. Now, let's go someplace together and get tested so we know our HIV status and we just know everything about what's what's contained in our bodies." Mm-hmm. Um, so it really isn't a number like date one, date two. It's when you feel comfortable, but of course, before you have sexual encounters. So you may have just met someone. It's like, I'm, I don't feel comfortable asking this right now. And you also know the time when it's like ready to ask someone to do that. Um, but it's also breaking that uncomfortable feeling if you feel like you're never going to ask that. Now you guys are in the room and it's like, well, I should have asked, but I didn't. So making sure that it's a long time before, but when you're comfortable. So that could be the first day. You could you could be just having a conversation like, so when's the last time you got tested, right? Like, And some people feel comfortable to do that, but some people may send it through a text message like because it's like, I can't say this face-to-face, but I may be able to say over text. Um, there's a whole bunch of different ways oh yeah you know what and when you said text that reminded me that i did want to ask you about sexting so what 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 okay so explain what is sexting i think we all know what it is but i (laughs) want to hear your definition because you 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 you're this is your field of expertise Mm -hmm. and some of the terminology that you're using are is new and 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 removes the stigma whereas the terminology that i grew up with it's stigmatized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say STDs instead of saying <laughs> STIs and et cetera. So what is sexting and what do you guys teach the, the your, your clientele about it? So sexting is sending any sexual messaging, pictures, anything to someone else. So um, and it could be someone saying like a sexual comment to another and then they reply like sexting. Um And so one thing that we say is, for one, is child pornography, right? So anyone under the age 18 who gets caught with pictures of someone nude in their phone, um, they it's child pornography. You could actually be arrested for that, either boy or girl. So we first let them know that. Um, Second, there's a big thing, especially in high school, where girls are being exposed. So having that conversation, like this may be someone who you're like, oh, I love him. Or we've been in a relationship a long time. And he's asking for pictures and you send them and now the whole school sees them. Or now we have social media. You find your picture on social media because they didn't put it on there. So having that conversation as well. Um, like, is the risk really worth you being exposed in that way. Um, and so just letting them know like your body is for your body. If you happen to share that with that person, it doesn't need to be through a text or through like the DMs, like social media and stuff like that. Like you can have that moment with each other. Um, so yeah, so that's like more of what we talk about when it comes to sexting. When it comes to sexting. And what are some, some of the responses that that that, that you get in the six week program are just when you guys are having the different workshops from, you know, are, are they, because I guess so, some of the girls, this is the first time they're having this type of conversation. Mm-hmm. What is the feedback that you get when you tell them about sexting or when you tell them about the, the having the hard conversations? So a lot of them are like, 
oh, that happened to me. Or that, like, just, when was it? On Thursday, one of the girls, we were talking about um, going to clinics because I gave them a pocket guide of the different clinics. And she's like, I wish I would have had this the other day because I really needed it when I went. So, like, these are the stuff that they're going through. A lot of adults feel like, oh, our kids ain't going through that. Or um, they don't know about that. They don't need to know about that. But this is stuff that they're actually doing. So when we have these conversations, they're like a bell clicks. And they're just like, oh, so that's why that happened. Or, oh, that did just happen to me. Or I'm happy I had this conversation, especially around like healthy relationships, um, because a lot of youth is are dating while they're in high school or they feel like they're dating um, and they're going through some of them are going through abuse. So when we talk about healthy relationships, they're like, oh, so maybe that's not healthy when he or she does this. Um, so it's giving them an opportunity to like hear it, understand it, um, and then change if they, there needs to be changed or get out of a situation if they need to get out of a situation. Um, and then when it comes to sex, and they're like, I really could be arrested for that. And it's like, you really can't be arrested for that. Um, and you could be reported as a, um, a sex offender. So, it's not worth it. And then so, or they'll be like, oh, yeah, she got out. She got exposed to the whole school. She said this boy. Decided. So it's happening. And so more people need to have the conversation. Um, and then earlier, what you brought up, when you were like, um, women like your age will be like, oh, we're going to go on this first day. We're going to talk first um, and then see if it goes to a second date. But I feel like for our young girls, they, they're not being taught that. So and there is that gap between um, generations that we've been trying to co- um, close at Black Women for Wellness is that older women have a sense of thinking of okay this is how I'm supposed to go on a date this is who should be taking me on this date um whereas the young girls they don't have no one's teaching them that so they are going off of reality tv and stuff like that rather than what was taught before and so really having that conversation with whatever young girl is that you are close to because they really need it yeah, we need to close that gap for for sure. And you know, and and then although the women my age, when we were teenagers, there there was still a gap between us mm-hmm. and and the women ahead of. So the this is something that that needs to be closed when the next generation come, when they're where your current clientele, when they are in their thirties, forties, fifties, that the new set of teenagers know what what they know mm-hmm. at, at as a teenager you as a young black single mother devoted to educating young girls about their reproductive health what is if if you had the top 5 things to tell them which i know it's may may be hard <laughs> but what would be the top 5 things that that a that a, a parent should tell their teenager Teenager, so I would actually like to start more elementary school. Okay, okay, <laughs> right, right, okay. Um, so about their bodies, right? About how your body may be different from a male and the reasons why. Um, because at that time, kids are very curious. And so they are trying to figure it out themselves. And I mean, just having that conversation it doesn't have to be like, this is exactly what this is, but just having like an age appropriate conversation with that, um, opening that dialogue. So then as they begin to age, when stuff start feeling different, they start feeling different. They're able to come to you first rather than going out 
out in the streets and trying to figure it out. Um, so that's one. Um, I would have a conversation. So I was looking at this video. And so this woman, she was like, my first date was my father. Like he took me on this super nice date. Um, he held the door open. He like made me just feel like a princess. Right. And so having that conversation, if there is a father figure in the house, because we know a lot of people don't have that, but having that conversation of this is what you should expect on a date. Um, because when young people go on their first date, they're just like, oh, well, this felt nice, it's cool or whatever, but they don't really know who they should be dating, how it should be done, because that's not being taught. Um, so I would say that. Um, also, t asking, so once you built that, because it, once you, you're a teenager, they're not going to come out to you if you never had the conversation about sex, so they're not going to say anything. But hopefully, if you're having that conversation, um, and then asking them, like, are you sexually active? Do you need to get on birth control? Um, do we need to go get tested? Stuff like that. You could ask your child that. Uh, for me, I remember being, I think I was in middle school, and so... I take that back. My mom and them did say, they didn't say us. <laughs> Sorry, they didn't say about sex, but they did one time try to scare me like, oh, are you having sex? If so, we're going to take you to the doctor and then they're going to give you a pap smear. They're going to be able to tell if you're a virgin or not and stuff like that. So that was more on the like trying to scare me type, right. but <laughs> having a conversation of, are you sexually active? Um, do we need to get on broker show? So I had that conversation with my sister because my mom didn't know how to have the conversation, which is in a lot of households. You don't know how to ask your own daughter, like, are you sexually active? So um, I had that conversation with her and then she got on birth control and stuff. So asking that question, um, what else would I say? Um, well, there was one thing that, that, that you said that um, I wasn't even thinking about is with the out starting at elementary school. Yeah. <laughs> Cause here I was like with the teenager, but, but you're right. It's having, it's, it's, it's grooming them to, to trust you. Yeah. And to know that, that, that you're a place of information mm -hmm. than just academics mm -hmm. and the, the do's and don'ts um, in the household and, mm -hmm. and what have you. But the things that, you carry with you always your body mm -hmm. now we we touched briefly upon um sexual harassment and just that you guys have the program called step forward campaign what is that campaign so um now it's really just underneath get smart for you get sexy but it started again at a school in gardena and so the girls were like what do we do when guys touch us inappropriately different stuff like that so there were cases where security guards may look at you weird right and so it's like i just feel like i got sexually harassed but i can't go to a security guard because he's doing the same thing type of feeling um and then so there the step forward came about it's a privilege game so um, it's like step forward if your parents went to college, step back if 
um, you're a first generation student, like stuff like that. So it's mm-hmm. a game that's like traditionally played. And so step four was a twist on it where it was like, step four, if you've ever been sexually harassed on your way to school, step forward, if you've ever um, couldn't like finish studying or listening to the teacher because someone was talking to you inappropriately, stuff like that. And so the girls took a step forward and then it was like just showing how like a collective it was that a lot of the girls were in the same stance after it was done. And so then it was like, okay, this is happening, right? So this is happening here. This is happening other places. So then we did a study. Um, We did it really LA County. And now recently we're focusing just on South LA because we want to kind of like break it down. Cause when we did LA County, we got 67% of black girls said that they had been sexually harassed on their way to school. So that's not even on school campus. That's like walking to school, or however you're getting to school, which that number is different because it's like Pasadena may be completely different than South LA may be completely different than Lancaster. And these are like all the different places we go. And so um, we were like, let's focus just on South LA now to see like concentrated data. Um, And so that's, if you are walking to school and there's a car and then it's like, you're walking there like, Hey, what's up baby? Or whatever the case may be. And you're like, Oh, I'm 14. Like, and they're like, okay. You know, like that, that's fine, like type of feeling, which is um, what a lot of girls get. Um, One story at one of the schools that we're at, um, the girl, she was like, it's the cheer. Well, he's like the cheer. um, He's not the coach, but he's like heads the cheer team. Um, And so there has been parent complaints about him because the girls feel like he is like, a sexual predator for different reasons um and the school's like you guys are taking it wrong that's not what it is um and so then it's like how do I protect my child or how do my child feel safe on campus if you're like brushing it under the rug like oh no I think you took that the wrong way and all this other stuff so our sexual harassment work is saying what sexual harassment is and then also giving the girls tools to be like this is who you can contact. This is what needs to happen. This is sexual harassment because a lot of them feel like, well, maybe I am taking the wrong way. They said I am. So maybe I am. Um, and then if the school is like, well, we're really not going to do anything about it. This is who you contact type of feeling. Um, and then also changing the culture on the school campus. So while we're there, we talk to the students, but we also talk to the teachers and try to see like how everybody is feeling about a certain situation and try to change policies. So that goes back to like our policy work. So we are um, an organization that used the work we do to try to really change policy because we know that that's how things are really going to change if if there's like laws and policies in place and then implementing them and making people follow them. Now the, the school that you just mentioned, did, did that, um, um, cheerleader coach, did he get removed? He's still there. He's still there. Um, so I found out about this last week. Okay. So so this is a new development. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah. We're going to have to hear more about that, that later. Um, so we can find out, Mm -hmm. uh, what, what we need to do to, to which is good because this is, so when we have our little groups like that, that's when the girls come out and share personal information like that. And I'm able to, cause last year, um, when we did a group, one of the girls was like, there was a TA and he had like everyone, all the students on name on the roster and their numbers. And he texted her and was like, I think you're so beautiful. Right. 
And she was like, I've never said anything about it till now because I'm like comfortable enough to say so. She was like, because he was like the cruelty. Everybody loved him. So if I would have said this is what he did, they'll be like, you lying. You just want him fired. And like I would have lost friends and stuff like that. And so being in our group, that's when she like the first time ever said this is what happened to me. Um, so that's why it's very important too when we just have like our groups and just talk about stuff and then it's like, oh, this is happening at this school. Okay, let's check the school out. Right. Okay, wow. Now let's give out because we we're we're gonna the show is coming to an end. Let's give out your the contact information. First, let let's start with how do you find a friendly free clinic um, to get tested for STIs um, and for free and low cost birth control? Do we go to your website to find that or how do we find that? Yeah. So you could go to our website and we have a clinic locator. So you just put in your zip code and then all the clinics will pop up in your area. And then also will say what services they provide. Um, there's also something that we on get smart before you get sexy um, dot com. So that's B just the letter B, the number four, the letter U get sexy dot com. Um, there's also something that we are gonna be passing out and our address is four three four zero eleventh Avenue, um, Los Angeles, we're in Limerick Park, is a pocket guide. And so it's a little um like a little booklet that could fit in your pocket. Um and it has the different clinics specifically for youth in there. Um so that's also something that we have. And then also if you don't have insurance or let's say you're on your parents' insurance, you don't want them to know what your um, like getting if whether it's birth control and stuff because it's a safe issue. Um, they have family pack. Okay, and so the the website is get smart before you get sexy. That's get smart. The letter B, the number four, the letter U. Get sexy dot com, and then you just navigate to clinics to find out what um, free friendly clinic is in your area by putting in the zip code. How does one um, become part of the program? You you have a teenage daughter, you have um, a middle school child, or you're you, somebody's listening and they're a teacher or they're a principal or what have you. How what do they need to do to um, to participate and get smart before you get sexy? So they could contact us on our website. Um, there's also a form. Let's say they want to really be involved and volunteer or intern. There's also a form on there where they could just fill it out there. Um, or they could just stop by our office and do an in-person um, request. We're also a membership-based program. So it costs, uh, not program, just my program, but for the organization. Uh, we're a membership-based organization. And so membership is $65 a year. Um, and that leads you to access to like separate events, um, discounting when we have our conferences, um, just a whole bunch of different stuff like that. Um, and so that's also a way that some people like to get involved. Okay. And so we can get involved by becoming a member to volunteer or to become a peer educator. Yeah. Become a peer educator. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also donate if you would like to. Um, and so you can go on our main website to donate, which is B as in boy, W as in Willie, W as in Willie, L as in lake, A as in apple.org. 
Um, and that's the organization's website. And you can donate on there. BWWLA.org. Yes. Okay. All right. Do you have any closing statements for us? Um, just thanks for having me. There's a lot to talk about when we talk about reproductive sexual health in our community. And I hope that everyone visits our websites, um, comes by our office, say hello, get involved, um, and help us change this um, health crisis that we're having. Right. And, and I most definitely want to follow up with you about those two instances that you were talking about that just um, got became that you became aware of last mm-hmm. week about the cheerleader um, coach yeah. and the TA, mm-hmm. right? We, we want to make sure that we know what's going on with that and what we can do here at Radio Justice to support black women for wellness um, while you guys are cleaning up those schools. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you so much for, yeah, for, for having me. Yes, you guys are, you know, we, we are very familiar with some of the names that you mentioned. Um, of course, Jan Robinson Flint mm-hmm. with Black Women for Wellness and Chanel Curry mm-hmm. of Media Done Responsibly. And of course, Dr. Melina Abdullah, mm-hmm. who has a show here with us called Move the Crowd that comes on Thursdays mm-hmm. at, at eight o'clock. So so you have been surrounded by some <laughs> some very yeah. good mentors mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're going to right. You you doing it. (laughs) Well, thank you, Lachey Brown, for being dedicated to combat the reproductive health statistics of black women and girls and mentor youth to develop and maintain healthy relationships with the work you do at Black Women for Wellness, managing Get Smart Before You Get Sexy. For more, for more information on Get Smart Before You Get Sexy, go to GetSmartBeforeYouGetSexy.com. That's Get Smart, the letter B, the number four, the letter U, GetSexy.com. And you can visit them there or on Instagram or Facebook. And, of course, to find free clinics for STI testing, navigate on their website to go um, to clinics and then put in your um, zip code. For HIV testing sites and care services, go to HIV.gov. For more crisis support helplines and warm lines, go to NAMIUrbanLA.org. Thank you, Leslie Radford, the visionary of RJLA, Adam Rice, program director, Michael Washington of M Watch Soul for opening and closing theme song. Song And always you, our RJLA family. Follow us on Facebook. Give us some love. Give us some like as you listen to us worldwide anytime on RadioJustice.org, where you can also revisit and replay and review any of my previous shows. I am Angela Birdsong. Once again, thank you for allowing me to share this very special experience of conversation piece on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call with you. Remember to be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be brave, be courageous, and let all that you do be done with love.